You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. You know, I had a whole plan for this episode. I have James Fox coming up. He's going to talk about Project Birmingham, which I thought was going to be the news of the day. Uh, I was going to maybe make fun of the Cleveland Indians for what I believe was purposefully not maintaining their field and getting it ready so they could avoid Dylan Cease because the Sacks were about to take two out of three from Cleveland. But Tony LaRussa said, no, 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 Chris. I would like Sacks in the basement to question me yet again and ask why I haven't been fired. This is a Hall of Fame move, a classy move by a legit Hall of Fame baseball person to give us a topic literally as we're sitting down here to record. We're, we're sitting here on a Monday afternoon putting a show together for Tuesday. The Sox are on the TV. It's a makeup game against Kansas City. We've got 30 minutes of Sox for fans by fans brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Remember, they're going to keep water out of your basement. You got seepage. You got a sump pump issue. You need the gutters cleaned. There's something wrong with the concrete. You name it, they handle it. They give money off if you mention the Sox in the basement. Give them a call 24-7-708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes in all they do at FamilyDry.com. But let's just go through Twitter. I'm going to look at the record from the beat reporters that were tweeting things out at the beginning of the game in case there was something the cameras missed. Yeah, let's just let's just uh, follow along with Twitter. Here. Just recap what happened here. So essentially, Michael Kopech comes out to the mound in this makeup game against KC. After his warm-up tosses, in the middle of his warm-up tosses, because he throws some more, LaRusa goes out there, and he's got Katz and the trainer to look at Kopech. And there's clearly something wrong with him. And it's reported by beat reporters on the scene who are observing what's going on in warm-ups on social media that it looks like possibly his knee. It's definitely a lower half thing. That's what I'm reading here. And then he takes more warm-ups. And LaRusa decides to leave him out there for the game. Now, this is a, after a day off in which Dylan Cease was scheduled to start. He's good to go, right? You have a full bullpen available to you. And if he's hurt, especially because he's one of your more important players, right? I mean, like, if he's gone for a long time, that that's it. I mean, there, there's only so many things that can happen to this team before you start saying it becomes insurmountable, even if it is two, three, four games at your back in the American League Central. Losing one of your key starter starting pitchers is among those items, yes. Right, and, and think about all the over-resting that has occurred and the kid gloves that we've actually said, maybe this team, you know, like sometimes they sit them a little bit longer than they need to. Maybe they're a little bit more cautious with these guys than they need to be. But then after all that we've seen this year, the decision is made by whoever... I don't know if it's the trainer, Tony, Katz, who knows, even if Kopech's saying, I want to stay in. Remember, this is the guy that had a no-hitter through six, and we're like, no, 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 85 pitches is enough. That just happened. We just did a show about that. Right, it, where we were, we were questioning, we were, we were questioning the, the pitch count decision, but at the same time understanding that we're trying to keep Michael Kopech fresh. Right, so after hearing about how everybody was an idiot who even questioned why that would happen, this guy sends him out there clearly injured, and his velocity's down. He walks the first guy. He hits the next guy. Then they start getting a bullpen ready with Jimmy Lambert. 
Now you got Lambert in there with men all over the base paths, and all of a sudden you're down 4 nothing. And the whole game, you gave up a game in the middle of a pennant race, and you may have made it worse for the pitcher. Who made that decision, and why are they not fired? Jerry Reinstorf, take control of your team. All right, come down from your ivory tower and tell your friend he's done. Somebody must be fired just for that. How many fireable offenses do I have to watch on this White Sox team? And then you're still going to tell me, sign up for uh, season tickets and, uh, you know, come on out to the ballpark for our new food items and uh, make sure you're ready for the postseason. There isn't going to be a postseason. Look at this idiot. What happened in this? I don't know what the cockamamie excuse is going to be post game. I, I don't want to hear it. And by the time that this comes out, uh, there will already be the cockamamie excuse and the propaganda machine will be in full effect trying to explain this. But I'm trying to find a rule here that says why Kopech would have to pitch. And what I can see is that in game, if he crosses the foul line, he has to face a batter. But this is pregame. And even if he was, and I don't think he is, required to actually pitch to a batter. Throw up the intentional walk sign to the first guy if your guy's legs all screwed up and he's important to you. Put the guy on first base. Go back out with the trainer and say, he's hurt. We need to take him out. You get as many warm-up pitches as possible. Have Lambert come out. Then maybe Cease can walk out. Maybe you could get him ready and have him go through his whole thing. Maybe you win a baseball game. But instead, it looks like you might have you might have really messed up your guy more who knows if this will have a bigger effect on him and you punted a game in a playoff race what are we doing ed i don't have an answer for this because it's it's bad luck the injury thing is bad luck and and i'm sure the cockamamie excuse will involve well it's just bad luck that he he tweaked himself on the warm-up pitch i'm sure part of the cockamamie excuse will be that there's no significant damage or whatever let's hope okay the fact is, is that Kopech, he, he, he's had some leg issues the past two seasons. This year, he had a knee problem. A guy that tall needs his legs. You know, if you are not familiar with how pitching works, everybody talks about a guy's arm. Oh, he's got a great arm. He's got a great arm. Pitchers don't have great arms inherently. What they do is they have good mechanics. They have good, solid skills, okay? And usually it's leverage, reach, spin, things like that. That, that's what gets guys through. And that leverage comes from your legs. It's it's driving, it's landing, it's being able to use your lower body and engage it. That's where your control comes from. That's where your power comes from. Ask any pitching coach. That's why last year when Rodon had that breakthrough, the subtle difference was how he was using his legs. That's why it was important for Dylan Cease to get more command by being able to stay over the ball longer. That's where a pitcher basically holds himself up before he drives his leg and delivers the pitch. That's why Lance Lynn was such garbage in the postseason last year and down the stretch and struggled so bad coming back from his knee injury because Lance Lynn, sure, his arm is there, but he is a fastball pitcher who needs his legs for command and to get the drive and power behind his pitches. So if Michael Kopech's got even a slight tweak of his leg, you shut it down right now. You just sit there and you say, that's it. You're not going out. And I don't care if Kopech said, hey, hey, Skip, I think I can go. I think I can still do this. Hey, guys, I want to do this. This is important to me. Ethan Katz, Tony La Russa have an obligation to Michael Kopech, to the team, to sit there and say, buddy, sit down. Let's rest it. Hopefully it's good in a day or two. We'll get you back into the rotation as soon as you're feeling better. But if you send him out there and now he's stepping funny, now he's landing funny, now he's not pushing off the same way, that's where guys tear things. And that's where injuries get worse, okay? It's not... 
Think about the football correlation. Everybody years, years, years ago, Jay Cutler gets out of that that uh, that game, the the the, uh, the championship game, right? He comes out of the game because his knee is messed up. The reason for it was basically like, look, you could wreck your career because your your knee is already hurt. If you go out there any further, you sustain any further damage, it could be just catastrophic. That's why you're held out of the game. It's the same thing for a pitcher. Okay, so you pull Kopech, and even if you have to to turn to Velasquez. Even if that's the guy who sit there go, Vince, get get ready, get out there. We don't care what happens to you in the first inning. You just need to bias an inning or two or three because you don't want to send Cease out there on a, on a weird version of his routine. You want to keep him on routine, which I can totally understand that too. Lambert could be ready in a hurry and could go out there and he could pitch an inning or two. Velasquez could be ready in a hurry and he could go out there. Be Raylo could be ready in a hurry and be out there in an inning or two. You might have to bullpen this game which might cause problems tomorrow, but that's a tomorrow Tony problem. Win today. That's where we are. We're in a pennant race. Win today. Yeah, but we've never done that. That has not been the philosophy of this season. And we're going to get into it here with James Fox maybe a little bit. I do want to talk about Project Birmingham, which is a really interesting initiative that I thought we were going to be See, talking about. and this about. is good news. The Project Birmingham thing is actually a positive thing, I think. I, yes, and I wanted to talk about Project Birmingham because I thought it was, like you said, a, a positive thing. But we have to look team philosophy, though, at how we got to this point in the season. And it's it's bad, bad managing, bad decision making, zero accountability and just an overreaction to trends. Like, I feel like this team was told you strike out too much. And that's what I want to get into with James Fox. So we're going to we're going to approach the plate differently. And that has not worked out for us. No. Back to Kopech. Come on now. We talked about this. Beginning of August, he goes 100 pitches in seven innings. He's got a no-hitter, and we got we to gotta say, no, we're going to stop him at six innings at 85 pitches. Okay, fine, that's your argument. Now he's out here today on the 22nd of August, and he's pointing at his knee and telling them that he's hurt before the game, and you let him give up four runs. And you don't even start warming anybody up until after he hits the second batter and there's two guys on. Like, what, what are we doing here? I'm sorry, at this point, I, I, I don't care who it upsets at this point, if you're upset about it, you got to start asking whether or not you understand the game of baseball. There's no way this team ever wins a championship with Tony La Russa as the manager. And there's no way this team moves forward. All of the work from the rebuild is for nothing with the current structure in place. These people who are in charge from the owner on down to his buddy and his buddy's assistant coaches and his trainers are not the guys that can do this. This is a fireable offense and nothing will happen. And that's the worst part of it all. Joining me on the phone line right now, always a treat to have him on. And we always get a great response from listeners when he jumps on the show. They love hearing from James Fox of Future Sox. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Chris. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. I, look, we got a lot to talk about. I, I was sitting around this morning thinking to myself, like, Okay, well, what are we going to talk about on Socks in the Basement? I'm like, well, we got a catcher that came up from the minors. That's interesting. Uh, we saw the Colson Montgomery promotion to double A. That's interesting. A lot of guys got promoted, and we hear all about on Monday Project Birmingham. What do you know so far about Project Birmingham, in which basically the Socks are taking a ton of uh, names when it comes to prospects and putting them all in double A for the last month? of the minor league season and trying to give specialized instruction, it seems like, with, you know, all of their guys. Like, this is like a camp almost at the end of the year. Yeah, it seems like it. So, I mean, I basically know what everybody else knows. I mean, I think James Feagan was 
what, first on Monday with the story. I mean, the Colts of Montgomery thing was interesting because that came out, what, Sunday? And I think right away I said, like, I thought it was just kind of like promote him to double A so then, you know, you can send him to the AFL. Because typically, like, guys that are in the Arizona Fall League are double A or higher. The Sox did the same thing with Jose Rodriguez last year. So, you know, then we come to find out that it wasn't just Colson Montgomery. They're sending everybody to Birmingham. So they must, like, like that coaching staff the most. And then they're just, like, sending all their other instructors, too. I mean, I don't know if you look at the list of players, but, I mean, it's pretty much anybody on, like, the prospect fringes will now be at Birmingham. So, like, the big question is, like, okay, well, Colson Montgomery and Jose Rodriguez are both shortstops, et cetera. Well, they're just not going to play every day. And, like, they're going to use the inactive list a lot. So, yeah, like, a lot of it is, like, just to get – all their best organizational coaches and rovers and everything like with their top prospects. And and it's an interesting idea. I mean, it's got a lot of like positive feedback I've seen like on the internet. And even like when guys like Jim Callis and minor league type guys are like, Oh, this is a really interesting idea. Like whether it works or not, like I'm glad that the White Sox like are finally at the forefront of something, right? Like this, like, never happens. I feel like it's like an outside the box idea. They kind of liked what happened at the alternate site. Um, even though like, you know, like nobody wants minor league baseball to go away, but like the one good thing, I guess it's not a good thing, but it's a silver lining. Like the white Sox minor league teams aren't that good. So it's not like you're like taking all these players away from those teams and they're going to like crash and burn now. Like that part doesn't really matter. It's all about developing your best prospects like into you know, the best versions of themselves. And I think like Chris Getz and his crew apparently here think that like, this is the best way to do that. I'm curious to see how it, you know, how it all plays out. Well, the thing that's interesting to me is we've been critical of it. And I think there's been others who have been very critical of what's coming out of the minor league system, right? Look at the major league roster. It's very hard. I mean, you could find one or two guys on the fringe, but Basically, if you're part of this core, you are a big time free agent signing or you are somebody who was a top prospect already or considered to be a can't miss that was drafted in the first round. And so what are they developing down there? And this seems to be almost a response to, yeah, we're not developing very well down here. We got to try something new. It does. Yeah, it seems like, you know, like you've heard it all, like all the guys come up here and they're not fundamentally sound or whatever, which is like a little bit flawed, I think, because look, I mean, like, guys like Luis Robert, like, were so good offensively that, like, yeah, you're not going to leave them at minor league levels, right? And it's a lot of people that didn't come up through this organization. Like, I think, you know, like a guy like Lenin Sosa and guys like that that come up, like, yeah, they've been in the system for a while. And I think, like, a lot of those guys were instructed properly, right? But when you have a team full of, like, prospects that or guys that you traded for or signed – like, yeah, there is no, like, White Sox way, like we hear about, like, you know, Theo Epstein used to talk about the Cubs or what the Cardinals do. So th- this is, like, I don't know if it's a direct response to some of that, but it definitely seems like it's Chris Getz or somebody, like, recognizing that just doing what they've been doing hasn't worked, right? And I actually think, like, on the hitting side, like, you know, they've developed some hitters. I really like this minor league hitting coordinator, Andy Barquette, so... Yeah, I think this is just kind of a way to get all of their eyes on all of their top guys um, while recognizing that, you know, some of these players have come up flawed. So let's let's like try a different way to do things. And the other thing, like I'd be curious to see if other teams like follow suit and do something similar. 
it seems interesting just with the name. The name gives you undertones like it's something like the X-Files, right? Uh, James Fegan put out a, like an image that said Project Birmingham and it looked like Stranger Things, right? So uh, how about this? Give me your wildest theory as to why this is happening. If we're going to go down the rabbit hole and, and it feels like something that's just like, what is this? It's like a mystery. Project Birmingham. Give me your wildest theory about Project Birmingham. So I do think Chris Getz being front and center is interesting. Now, you know, there's all sorts of rumors from Bob Nightingale and whoever, like talking about Tony, like how he's eventually going to get like shoved in a closet at some point, like the rest of their like forgotten employees. Right. And like, he'll switch managers, but like, there's been multiple, I don't know, like, I don't know how public some of this stuff is, but like, I've heard from people and like other people I've talked to have heard from people that like, there's rumors about a, like a restructuring and it's not like a reckoning. Like people, like people aren't getting fired because Yuri Reinsdorf doesn't fire people. Right. Like he just shifts things around and like he's, there's no way that he's going to clean house and like add a new front and get a new front office. So uh, like the Chris Getz being front and center thing is interesting because I do think if there's some sort of front office restructuring, I don't know where Rick Hahn stands in all this, but I do think it would end with like Chris Getz being the general manager of the White Sox. Like that, that seems like, look, like if something happens with Han where he takes over for Kenny or he becomes a whatever, like an advisor or something happens, he's somewhere like you're not bringing somebody in from the outside to like work under Kenny, like in their current structure. So I do think it's interesting if like we start hearing more from Chris Getz, because this is like, you know, th this is like a GM thing. This isn't a, oh yeah, our, our like guy that's the head of the minor leagues, like decided to do all this stuff. Like, no, th this is like, you know, like seems like a top down project, kind of like what you said, it's like sealed away. Um, that, so that's the part that I find interesting. That's a, that's a, that's a crazy theory. I would love it if it came true just because we could all sit here and laugh about when James floated this, uh, insane idea on socks in the basement. Let's talk about things that we know are tangible. Carlos Perez coming up to be the backup catcher. You're over there at future socks. You do great work. Uh, tell me and the rest of the fan base that doesn't know as much about him as probably you do. Uh, what we have here is is he the future along with Zavala when Grandal's contract eventually ends? So, I mean, I think Perez kind of like probably profiles as a backup, but I mean, he hit 17 homers at Charlotte, right? So this is the part that like wasn't expected. It was always kind of like, okay, he's a good defender. He'll probably play in the big leagues. Um, but then he, you know, he, he makes a ton of contact and he hit 17 homers at Charlotte. Now I think they're still playing with the, the super bouncy ball at Charlotte, but like, we'll see, right. It's a, like basically league average 101 WRC plus there with 17 bombs. So, I mean, if he can play the position defensively and get you some power, like, you know, I don't, I don't think people realize like how like bad the catching position is across baseball. Like that's fine. Like, yes. Do I think he's like Carlos Perez, like the starting catcher for the White Sox the next five years? Not necessarily, but he could be one of your catchers for sure. James Fox, our guest here on Socks in the Basement, and every guest of Socks in the Basement is brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, explore, and see everything they have going on this weekend and in the coming weeks and weekends at lamontdowntown.com. You talk about home runs. I've noticed some things recently. We were we were chatting about it. We were texting back and forth. So I'd love for you to jump in on this subject matter. And, and that is the lack of power 
that the White Sox have shown this year. They're, they become like a singles hitting team. And I've noticed in some recent articles, and we brought him up a couple of times, he's been on this show before, James Fegan over at The Athletic. Uh, he wrote an article about the White Sox offense recently and hidden in that article, I don't think it was a focal point of it. Tony La Russa mentioning that when his guys come off of off days, there's a lack of power and they're, they need to adjust. You had Yasmani Grandal. Yasmani Grandal standing in his locker talking about how the inconsistency and in how he's used and when he's in the lineup makes it hard for him to get going. And then there was a thing also in that article about Tony La Russa hating strikeouts. Put all this together for everybody. Is there a problem here that's kind of that's sitting woven within all the stories the beat reporters are putting out that actually illustrates why the White Sox are not doing well this year at the plate with the homers? Yeah, and I think it, you know, I think it's kind of I don't know if you watched the latest season of Stranger Things, but I've been using a Stranger Things reference, like Tony LaRusso's like the equivalent of Vecna, like wreaking havoc on a wreaking havoc on a small town. That's like what this is. Um, but you know, it, I don't know. I'm not a like blame the hitting coach guy and fire the hitting coach like irrationally, but like, look, this team clearly has like a swing plane issue. Like there, there's a problem here. You know, the batting average is good. They hit balls really hard, but they don't hit them in the air and they don't hit them over the fence. So like, yeah, there's a problem, but you know, with some of the writing, you know, you mentioned James Fegan and he's been leaving us some crumbs lately. I'll tell you that James, there's a lot of stuff in those articles that, you know, is easy to glance over, but then it's like, Oh boy. Like, and you just mentioned one of them, like when your manager in 2022 makes it known that he like, I, I forgot the exact word that James used, but he hates strikeouts. Like he, like, so no wonder why this team doesn't walk or hit homers, right? Because if you're so afraid to strike out that you're swinging constantly, right? And you're trying to put the ball in play. Well, yeah, then, then like this outcome, like, isn't that much of a surprise. Ah, oh, God, I just, I wish we could have seen this team with a different manager. Cause I just, I don't know what's real and what isn't. It's like very frustrating. And it's something that, you know, we have to continually deal with. James Fox, future Sox, a great guest anytime that he comes on. I love it that he catches things that sometimes I don't catch. Uh, I love listening to what he has to say, not only about the team, but the minors. And I know over at Future Sox right now, you're putting out another prospect list. Tell me about it real quick. Um, Top 30, the full list comes out Wednesday, 16 through 30, I believe, is is out. So drops, you know, Tuesday. So, yeah, just you know, keep an eye out for that. It's our mid-season list, but it's tough because of how late the draft and trade deadline is. We had to wait so long to get it out, but it's out. I'm heading out to Hailstorm Brewing this week. I can't wait to get out to Tinley Park, 8060, 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. I'm thinking about doing it on Thursday afternoon. Will Turner's out there. He's our new brewer. He started earlier on this year. Decades of experience and excellence, and he's tweaking their classic styles, innovating new beers of his own. And when you go into a brewery and you see the amount of original beers that are being brewed in one place, that place is an experience. If you're a craft beer drinker, check out their huge tap room, outdoor patio, fire pit for chilly evenings, a live music on the weekends, trivia nights. Get the lowdown on all the events that they're doing, including a big two-day Oktoberfest, the 24th and 25th of September. I guarantee you I'll be out there for one of those days. I believe I'll be out there on the Sunday. I might even bring Ed. Check out everything they have to offer at hailstormbrewing.com. James Fox, let's get back to what he just said. He has a lot of really good information, and I, I love talking to him, but I want to zero in on yeah. his 
on his wild theory about Chris Getz. You know, I, I kind of figured that that was the thing that was going to spark you. I mean, there's, there's you know, <laughs> Project Birmingham, there's a unique thing going on, but let's let's talk about the cockamamie theory, shall well, we? I, I like that theory. Like, first of all, they're doing something that that other teams haven't tried and will, and I think other teams will copy because they're going to say, wow, that really is a good idea. I mean, we've had Devin DeYoung on here from player development and he works down there with those younger guys and he jumps on and talks with us from time to time. And uh, Devin's a local guy and he, he, he's told us about when the pandemic was happening and the different things that they had to do. They, they figured out new methods and it's smart to say, Hey, there were a few things that maybe we should try and putting all of our prospects in one place and kind of using this last month of the minor league season to, to develop those. That's, that's a great response to the question of why don't you develop guys that are in first round picks, right? Even though you got some first round picks in there, that's a great response. So I'm all for it. And I think it's cool, but it is kind of funny to think here's Chris gets making a move. Here's a team that, as we said at the beginning of the show has no accountability and things need to change and him going, Maybe Chris Getz becomes a general manager next year. I mean, it's out of left field. He doesn't have anybody who's telling him that, I don't think so. I think that's him covering the team and thinking to himself, what are they going to do? Because they're not going to bring in new people. Like, they're not going to sit there and, like, clean complete house. I mean, Jerry doesn't operate that way. We have to wait for Jerry to be gone for that to happen as White Sox fans. I think that's the sad truth. But that's an interesting theory. You're right about them not cleaning house, but sitting there saying, it's Getz's turn to try and and write the ship and figure this out. And, and Rick, you did a nice job, but we're going to move you over here now. And, you know, Tony, thanks for everything. Why don't you come and sit in this comfy chair over here? You can take a nap. And Kenny, why don't you, you know, uh, look for somebody to take over the scouting department. You know, Getsy, you can do that too. And, I, you know, it, it's, a, it's yeah. It, it, Tony will help with that because when they move Tony out of the manager spot, but they keep paying him because he'll never fire him. And that's why we're sitting through this. That's why we right. punted on a season in the middle of our window. We've punted on 2022 because we know that this guy isn't capable of winning anything. Anybody with half a brain within that organization knows that. And you've basically punted because the owner isn't going to fire him and you're not going to move him into a role in the middle of the season because it would make him look bad. So we're, we're dealing with that. And then the other thing is really funny is that, you know, Kenny Williams, he, he may eventually leave. And wouldn't this uh, benefit? Doesn't he have a, his son in the organization? Isn't he second to Getz? I mean, if I'm looking at the minor league operations right now on their website. Gets is up to assistant general manager already in player development. The director of minor league operations is Jasmine Dunstan, and the assistant director and player development assistant is Ken Williams Jr. Like, I don't know where he gets bumped, but he probably bumps up a little bit more, right? Like, this is how my brain works when I think about the White Sox. Well, and it's it's how your brain should work when you think about the White Sox, because that's kind of what happens, right? It's generational wealth. Right. It's family. Yeah. It's family, and it's everybody just gets moved around, and, you know, you get your dad's office. Who knows what's going to happen next? I mean, this is wild speculation, and and really... There's nothing to it because it's just Fox like throwing his thing to me and then me making it worse here on the show. But my only other option is to go back to screaming like I did at the beginning of the show. So I kind of like the wild speculation. And as we t let's talk about it real quick. Project Birmingham. I like this. What do you like about this idea? Well, one of the things that we've talked about a lot during the season is, is sort of how the minor league system was very top heavy. And it's not just because they only seem to develop their top draft picks and their top international signings, but also a lot of their talent is in the lower levels, right? So they, they, they cleared out AAA and AA when they brought up 
you know, the, the, the core that they're supposedly building around this, this championship window around. So it, the idea too could just be, let's get a guy like Montgomery, for example, let's pick on Colson Montgomery. Here's a guy that clearly has talent that you're looking at Tim Anderson's contract status. You're looking at the hole at second base. You're watching Lennon Sosa kind of struggle as he's come up here a little bit. You're watching Romy Gonzalez not be able to get it done last year into the, to, you know, so far this year. And you're thinking that, okay, let's, this is our best guy. So let's get him better experience. Let's get him a broader range of experience. So maybe we can get him to the majors faster. That's actually an excellent idea and an excellent thing to do, especially because the way they, they change the minor leagues around the way they shrunk everybody's minor league system and the way that they've really limited what you can do in terms of the September call-ups, because that was really when you got guys that cup of coffee, just so you could see how they reacted. It really wasn't about whether or not they could help your team, but that September cup of coffee was always about how do they handle the pressure? How do they walk into the stadium and are like, Oh, you know, with drool coming down their mouth because they can't handle it. Or is it something where they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go bring this on. And they have the right attitude, the right feel. So you get them up there, this project Birmingham thing, I think it's a nice way to, to hopefully accelerate development because for a team that I will say this, I will give the Sox kind of props on this one. They have been really a, a team that has not messed with the time factor, right? They, they never really gave much credence to let me extend this guy out as far as I can. If a guy they felt was ready and they wanted him up, they brought him up. Garrett Crochet came up really right away. Chris Sale came up really right away. Andrew Vaughn basically didn't have a minor league career, right? So they've done this with guys, but if this if this helps that, if this helps accelerate that and get these guys a little bit more ready to come in and, and produce right away, that's actually good too because then it's more of a football-style or basketball-style draft system too where you're sitting there saying, we're going to draft guys with the idea that we want them here in a season or two as opposed to drafting a guy, we'll check in on you in about five years. Well, I love the Getz quote that I saw in the Merkin piece. I had to look it up here where he talks about like how it, we're getting guys that are showing back up on prospect lists again, like Montgomery's number 60 on the MLB pipeline list. Okay. But he says this as well, quote, it's a chance to show baseball and show the White Sox that we've got another wave of players coming. And I think that's the thing. I think Major League Baseball doesn't look at the White Sox farm system and say, I want to trade away a player because I want to get somebody in this system. There is a plan here to try to fix the problem, and I don't know if it's fixable. You also have to do well in the draft and do well at player development, but if this is what we're doing isn't working, so we have to try something else, well, thank you. At least somebody's fixing something within this organization. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.